Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Lord, I echo Corey's prayer and just thank you so much, Jesus, for your victory through death and resurrection. Lord, we affirm that our victory is in surrender, that our gain is in loss, and that you are all in all for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to Mercy Hill this morning. This is not sort of a standard liturgy Sunday for us. Uh, this is a baptism celebration Sunday. And I want to especially welcome and thank the family members who've come to be here for a special day and time in the life of one of your family members and loved ones who have said, I am identifying with Jesus Christ in baptism this morning. For us to get some of God's perspective on this whole process of baptism. But I want to start out with a couple introductory comments. When we baptize together, today. This, it's not a mere religious ritual. This is both a family celebration and a powerful time of encountering the Lord himself. And so uh, as each person is baptized, when when they've come out of the water, we're going to come back down and around and have a moment in time of prayer for the people who've just been baptized while the next folks are being baptized. And so there's going to be activity here. There's going to be moisture uh, as well. And, and as we pray with folks, that is not an opportunity just for the few. That's a time for all of us to pray for someone. And, and you, if you've been coming to Mercy Hill regularly, you know that a regular part of our corporate worship together is sharing communion, taking the body and blood of our Lord Jesus together, symbolized in some bread and some juice. And this morning, we're going to be sharing communion together through the action of praying for these folks. We've set up a table here with the usual cups and bread, and I want to urge every one of you to come pray with at least one person who's being baptized today. And that'll be also your opportunity to share communion this morning, because as part of the time of praying together, someone who's there, and you know that may be you who initiates it, is going to say, hey, come on, let's take the bread and the cup here now in the presence of the Lord as we pray together. Does that make sense? There's not going to be a moment at the end of the service where we pause and take communion here in our seats. Communion will be happening in the process of praying for the people who have been baptized. And I want to urge each person, don't let this morning get away without coming down and praying God's blessing over somebody who's taken a step of faith today to say, I'm following Jesus with all my heart. Amen? So here we go in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, there's amazing things happening because it's a time of persecution for the believers who've been in Jerusalem. It's a time of trouble and turmoil. The believers are scattered out of Jerusalem, which never after become, is the capital of Christianity. Instead, God's mission moves outward into all the nations. And as the believers go, they're sharing the good news about Jesus wherever they go, and the Holy Spirit authenticates their proclamation, and people start coming to the Lord. And in one place near that part of Judea, a nation called Samaria, there's a major revival going on, and God is using an individual believer by the name of Philip as, as sort of a key catalyst and leader during that revival. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 26 
where God changes things. And in verse 26, it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, good, said to Philip, go south to the road. Yeah, the desert road, that one that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip was like, wait, that's a long way from where I am right now. And, and God, I'm busy. Aren't I doing your work right here? But something happens here that's very consistent with a story that Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven being like a shepherd who will leave 99 sheep that are safe and good and go after one that he wants to bring home to himself. And so verse 27 continues the story. And it says that Philip started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Note that at the time, if you were reading, there was only one way to do it. You do it out loud. So Philip runs in obedience to the spirit and he hears this man reading from the Bible. And it happens that the passage he was, sorry, he hears him reading from Isaiah the prophet and Philip asks him this question. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man responds to Philip. He says, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. It's from Isaiah chapter 53. And it says this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And not surprisingly, the man who was reading it was puzzled about what it was talking about. And he said this to Philip. So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about who? The good news about Jesus. Because it happens that this passage in Isaiah, that this man was reading at the very moment that the Spirit of God brought Philip to him, was a passage that's poetically pointing to the death, the sacrificial offering that Jesus Christ made of himself to take your place and my place as a sin bearer where he would take our place in God's punishment so that we could be forgiven. And it promises that not only would this coming Messiah, promised Savior from God, die for our sins, but he would also rise again to life and see and delight in those who've come into forgiveness and life through his death and sacrifice. And so that's what Philip and this man are talking about on the road. And verse 36, it says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And then they, he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again 
but went on his way rejoicing. This is good news to us. That Jesus died and he rose again for you and me. And it's like the song that Corey had us singing. That Jesus is both lion and the lamb who's described in this passage in in Isaiah here. And we all want God to come in power as this mighty conquering lion. Like, yes, Lord. But the miracle of the gospel is that we meet him in weakness, in surrender and in vulnerability. And that's part of the meaning of baptism for us is that our walk of following Jesus doesn't begin with our accomplishments. It doesn't begin with the things that we do for God. It begins with us taking off everything that we would rely on or find to our own credit and going through death and resurrection symbolically to have a new life in the Lord Jesus. And this this man from Ethiopia has filled this profound question. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He takes the initiative to say, I want to go all in for Jesus. Something's happened to this man's life while he's on his journey. And in the journey of your life and my life, just like for this man, there has to come a moment where in our journey we say, I'm going all in for Jesus. And he looks, he says, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized here and now? Baptism is the response, is the public declaration of the faith that we're putting into Jesus. And you know what? There is not an additional set of criteria in Scripture that makes us worthy or qualified to be baptized. It's what the Apostle Peter said at Pentecost. It's written in Acts chapter 2, where he displays, he proclaims that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ, People are cut to the heart. They say, what should we do? And Peter simply says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture says, those who believed were baptized. There's not an additional set of qualifications to do. Now, you know, there were a number of centuries, a handful of centuries after the story was first written down after the Bible had been copied and recopied a number of times in this passage, was say, a couple extra sentences started to appear in the manuscripts. It's like the early church said, we need to add some additional qualifying information so people understand explicitly what was implicit in the earliest manuscripts. And they added what in certain English translations you'll find as verse 37. What I showed on the screen, what's read through in my translation, jumps from 36 to 38. Some translations have a 37 uh, that appears in later biblical manuscripts, not in some of the earliest ones. And it's a clarifying pair of sentences where it says, where Peter, sorry, Philip responds to this man's question. His question is, why shouldn't I be baptized? And the answer that that it, it pictures Philip giving here is, is simple and direct. It says, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answers, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And friends, that's the saving faith affirmation. They would say, yes, I believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord. And so the early church had this one simple criterion for baptism, believing that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of God. And when this man, this royal, important royal official in the court of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, when he places his faith in Jesus, he realizes it's not just an intellectual assent. 
It's not even just a set of, of rules that he's going to follow. It's a change of life and identity. And he says, why shouldn't I be baptized? I'm going to take this step that shows I'm identifying with Jesus in death and resurrection and showing that I belong to him. And there's some English translations who ask the question this way. It says, what is there to prevent me from being baptized? The 14 folks who are being baptized today have looked at that question and said, you know, out of all the things that could be preventing me from being baptized, I'm not letting any of them stop me. I'm not letting self-consciousness stop me. I'm not letting worry about what other people think stop me. I'm not going to let my own concerns about whether I'm good enough stop me. I'm not going to let the worry about taking an immense plunge, pardon the pun, uh, you know, a step of faith and plunging all in for Jesus, not knowing what's going to happen five years from now, 10 years from now. I'm not going to let my ignorance of what the future holds prevent me. And I want to urge you, face that question. And ask the question, is what's preventing you, is it an idol instead of faith? Are they fears that you just need to bring to the foot of the cross and say, no, I'm going all in to follow Jesus as well. This baptism, what the New Testament describes as baptism, it's a response of faith to the lordship of Jesus Christ. When we believe the good news about Jesus, we proceed to be baptized in water as a public declaration of our faith in Jesus. Now, we also understand and we respect at Mercy Hill that many parents in great sincerity and as an expression of your faith for your children, you may have had your children baptized when they were infants. And in fact, some of the folks who are being baptized today were also baptized as infants in the church setting that they grew up in. And and we respect that. We agree with the hope that parents have for each of our children to grow up in the favor and the blessing of the Lord in Christian community. We respect that. At Mercy Hill, our practice is to do that through dedication rather than calling it baptism and reserve the the word baptism to describe what a believer does in their own faith as an affirmation of their own faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's what's being demonstrated today. For some of the young people who've grown up in the church, it's both their profession of faith and their baptism. For some folks who are being baptized today, they've never grown up in church. And it's a completely brand new step and expression of following Jesus. Others have been believers in Jesus for some time and are now getting around to saying, I should be baptized. I want to do this and taking their faith forward in that fashion. And some who are baptized as infants are also saying, I'm affirming through my own faith that I'm following Jesus and I want to be baptized. And so it's a celebration for all of us to be together. And before I call you guys up to start sharing, why are you being baptized this morning? I just want to say to those who are being baptized, welcome to the journey. This is a beginning, not an end. It's a next step for some who've been walking with Jesus for some time, for others who are new to it. What it is not is a destination. When we are baptized, very much like this this man from Ethiopia, it says he went on his way rejoicing. We go on with our lives following Jesus, and following Jesus is a journey, amen? where what we are doing is very much like what Philip has done. We're going on, we're doing our thing, we're serving God, we're living our life, and God interrupts us. And the Spirit of the Lord says, I want you to go do this. And when Philip does that, when you and I stay responsive to the Spirit of God, God does amazing and wonderful things through us.